Welcome to The County Agent, an educational podcast based out of the Barber County Extension Office, a local unit within the Kansas State Research and Extension System. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The County Agent podcast. This is episode number three. This is Justin Goodno. I'm the county agent or one of the county agents in Barber County, Kansas, for K-State Research and Extension. My guest today is a former Barber County 4-H'er, a local gal, then got successful type of deal, Miss Sierra Cargill. Uh, Sierra, how are you doing today? Good, Justin. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? We did. We ate lots of food. My dad smoked some beef on the old Traeger. And so that was always good. (laughs) Surprisingly, a cattle guy has beef on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. Surprise, (laughs) surprise. Um, My grandma did insist, though, that we have some turkey. So we got a little small turkey breast to kind of ease her pain of a traditional Thanksgiving. I didn't tell you this. I spent uh, Monday almost uh, the entire morning with your grandma. She's she's on the district conservation board, and we rode around uh, looking at prospects for the Bankers Award for conservation. Me and her and uh, a couple of other board members on the conservation district. So we rode around for probably close to four hours that day, had lunch, went and looked at all kinds of conservation projects, and she's always a pleasure. And she speaks, she always speaks highly of you. Oh, well, thanks, Grandma. I'm sure she'll be listening to this. So shout out to her. We'll be on a plane when this drops back from Vegas. So she's always a good time. You bet. You bet. So why don't you tell everybody um, where you at and and what, what you got going on these days? Yeah, for sure. So right now I am finishing up my finals at Arkansas Tech. I'm working on my master's and communication. Um, We'll rewind, kind of start my whole college career. I went to Butler for two years. There I had a really awesome opportunity to serve two terms, which is two years as student government president. I also got kind of into the RA deal, Um, being an RA in the dorms. I really enjoyed, you know, making connections with residents from all over the world. In fact, you know, you have international students in there, um, students that are local. I had a girl from Kingman that I was good friends with. Um, I love doing that. So when I went on to K-State, I decided that I wanted to also be an RA there and financially it just helps you tremendously. Um, So I was an RA there. I studied ad communications and journalism during my time at K-State. I also worked for Amazon when I was at K-State, which was super cool. Um, getting to be a college student, work for such a large company. Um, I tabled, you know, did a little bit of market research for them while I was there. I also had the opportunity to work for Merck Animal Health as an intern one summer. And so I was the one that was kind of behind um, their Merck Animal Health cattle Facebook page, which is something that, you know, kind of pops up on your Facebook as you're scrolling down if you're in the beef industry. Um, then I graduated in the midst of the pandemic. I, you know, lost my RA job. I lost my Amazon job. And, you know, March, I was just kind of starting to look for jobs to get serious, to look for jobs after graduation. I had made a really great connection with my boss. That was my RA boss there. Um, really respected her. Um, thought she was just a heck of a person. And she said, hey, Sierra, have you ever thought about going to grad school? And I was like, me going to grad school? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> let's just let's just get on with life. Like, I've struggled this whole time through school. Like, no. And she's like, no, no, hear me out. Sit down. She's like, okay, meet me at the coffee shop. And I was like, I texted my dad at that point, And I was like, you know, this lady's wanting me to go to grad school because she thinks that there's this pandemic on the rise. I was like, she is absolutely going bonkers. Like, no way. I was like, but I'll go because I get a free cup of coffee from Bluestem. I was like, heck yeah, I'll go. So I sit down and I start hearing her out. She's like, okay, there's this pandemic coming. And like, she had convinced me at that point. And this was like, maybe late February. And she's like, I see it coming to the United States. I see it shutting everything down. And she's like, I could be totally wrong, 
but she's like, just take a gamble. Just put your name in the hat, Arkansas Tech. And I was like, okay, first of all, Arkansas, you know, the stereotypical, I'm like, no, I'm not, I don't want to wear overalls. And she's like, no, no, hear me out. And I was like, okay, okay. And she's like, it's a really great school. Um, I really enjoyed my time there. They have this new marketing role that's going to be opening up with their res life. Um, it'll help pay for your tuition, your housing and your meals. And I was like, okay, okay, back up. Like this is going to pay for everything for me to go to grad school. And she's like, yeah, like all you'll owe is fees. And I was like, okay, like starting to kind of hear you out. And, um, so I threw my name in the hat. I came home and I threw my name in the hat, a couple other places too. came home for spring break. And it was the longest spring break, like five months of spring break that I ever had. Um, by that by that time we were in the pandemic right we were yes yep. so i i went from medicine or from isabel ran to back to manhattan grabbed some clothes because it was like an extended spring break and i thought i was going to come down here and my grandma was actually going to come with me and we were going to interview and it got called off and we just interviewed virtually um and i got the job and my dad's like, okay, let's go look at the town. So we drove, I think it's eight hours here. We drove 16 hours in one day. We drove down here. We walked through campus for an hour and then we drove through town and then drove back. And then a month later I moved. So tell everybody if they don't know, where is Arkansas Tech? Yeah, we are halfway between um, Memphis and Oklahoma City on I-40. It's a beautiful little town here in the... Um, Ozark Mountains and just, you know, just the cutest little 30,000 people, little town. Um, nothing that I thought it was going to be. It's, it was so much more. And now I'm finishing up my master's and I'll be doing my final project next semester. And yay, then we'll be done for with school for real this time. <laughs> so no corn cob pipes or overalls or anything like that? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Just genuine down to earth people, just like at home. I will say I did notice that uh, we have a university just down the road from us here in Barber County across the state line is Northwestern Oklahoma State. And uh, it took a pretty good beating from the Arkansas Tech football team this fall. So hats off to Arkansas Tech for whipping up on the Rangers, which doesn't seem like that's very tough to do these years, these days. Uh, so you're you're close to graduating with a master's degree got any immediate plans you're looking to come back to kansas or got any got any ideas of, of where you might be going or what you might be doing in the future dang justin i thought you said that there wasn't going to be any hard questions here <laughs> oh my goodness you what? know Wait, we don't have to answer that if you don't want. Oh, no, no. I'm totally down. And give me a second to think. Well, I do want to definitely move back to Kansas, um, you know, be closer to my parents, um, you know, to what I love. But I still want to, you know, be able to find myself, be able to, um, you know, really spread my wings and fly in a position that I'm going to continue to build myself, build my portfolio and be able to take that next step in my career. That's something that's really important to me is be able to um, advance in my career um, in a position that I really enjoy with people that I enjoy. And, you know, I have this long list of things that I want in an employer and I want for myself, um, you know, to work on my photography, videography, that communication side, because that was something that as a young person, I really wasn't into. I think that, you know, you and I talking over the last probably year, year and a half of, hey, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? Absolutely. And it's been something that I've just recently gotten into. So I want to be able to build my portfolio on that and also just continue to help people. I've really enjoyed my time in college, you know, working for Res Life and having those opportunities. So no matter what I do, I want to, you know, be in touch with people. You bet. Yeah. So those that, that don't know, you should know because we gave Sierra the, the, the plug on it was you did the, the kind of the fire up video uh, during our COVID year for what was the County 
showcase. We didn't call it the county fair, but you're the one that put that together for us to really get it out there at a very important time. I mean, 2020, a lot of people were kind of down and out or a little bit more sour or negative than usual. Uh, and I think that video had a lot to get people's pep in their step and, and let them know that, hey, we are going to try to carry on and be as normal as possible uh, during the county fair season, even though COVID was going on and the world was in a pandemic. Uh, so speaking of county fair, you were a longtime 4-H member and, and involved uh, in about everything growing up in Barber County. Can you share a little bit about maybe the impact that 4-H has had on your life so far? Yeah. So crazy story. And I don't think a lot of people know this. I went to the babysitters with the Larky girls um, as I was young. Um, and they were always selling. They were a couple years older than me. And I just always like looked up to them. Good family, friends. My dad and Dennis were such, such good friends. And they were always selling this blue and gold stuff. And, you know, me, I was really young. They would come home from school school hang out with Connie and go to the neighbors and I just thought that was so cool and I don't I don't know why but it was so cool because they would take me with them and that's like you know looking up to the older girls and I was like I don't know what porridge is about but I want to sell blue and gold sausage and so <laughs> that's really how I got into it I was like well mom I think I need to be in 4-H and she's like why and I would you know always try to come up with some wild excuse to come to be in 4-H and finally she took me to a meeting and I just loved it because it was the girls that I went to the babysitter with and I really looked up to and I kind of got in there and I started doing um my first year I had muffins I did the cooking project the photography project and the arts and crafts project I had nothing to do with the livestock project um and we didn't really know a lot about it. We were just really new to it. You know, I made some blueberry muffins, like I said. I made a little arts and crafts. I still have it. It hangs on our Christmas tree every year. It's like a paintbrush. And I painted the top red and put some eyes on it. It looked like Santa. And I took some pictures. And they were really bad pictures looking back at it. But dang, they're still hanging in our house. Kind of the start of where it all started. And um, what really got us hooked is we went to the premium sale. And, you know, I, I thought I was uppity uppity because I made these box blueberry muffins and it wasn't just the powder. It was the blueberry and the like the two dollar ones, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I went to the premium sale and I sold them and they sold for two hundred and fifty dollars, Justin. And my dad was like, oh, my goodness, like I, I have to pay someone some money. I don't know how this works, but I don't know why your muffins just sold for two hundred and fifty dollars. And, you know, we got to talking to people and they're like, yeah, we just want to give back to this youth and watch them grow because this helped me, um, you know, be who I am today. And my dad's like, oh, my goodness. So he called up my grandma real fast. And he's like, and you would never believe like what's going on down here. You know, these people are wanting to turn these youth into such amazing people. And that's really where it got hooked after that. Um I continued in the cooking project. I added on fashion review, um, dropped arts and crafts because I wasn't very good at that. My mom probably got more frustrated at me than anybody else in the world. She's like, I just don't understand how you can't paint and draw. And she's very artistic. She's very good at that kind of stuff. But that's just something that wasn't my cup of tea. Um, and I had a bucket calf. And oh my goodness, my bucket calf patches was like where it all really started for me. Um, I remember my grandpa got me a halter and this darn thing would just lay down. And I was like, this is never going to work. Like, how does everybody get their animal to follow them around? Like I had watched, it was like kind of the beginning of YouTube. And so I had watched some YouTube videos or maybe it's just for me because we don't have very good internet out in the country, <laughs> but um <laughs> Yeah, so I would watch these like YouTube videos and these animals would follow them around perfectly. And so my parents kind of had seen what was going on with the bucket calf show. And we set up our karaoke machine and I would lead my bucket calf from the yard up to my grandma's patio. And then they would ask me questions on the karaoke machine every awesome. night in the summer. <laughs> and awesome. 
So we need to make sure people understand uh, your dad didn't grow up uh, in 4-H and FFA. So, I mean, when you got involved, all this was brand new. Because if, if I understood right, you know, I'm buddies with your dad. He grew up playing football and, get, and was involved in karate, went off, played college football, was a kicker, like at McPherson, I believe. Originally was supposed to go, I think, to West Texas and something happened out there. But so all of this is new and you guys are all learning at the same time. You as the kid, Chad and Patricia as, as the parents and as a grandma and whatnot. And I think that's absolutely fascinating and fantastic. We talked about it last week with uh, Barrett Simon and Clinton Laughlin that usually success comes from hard work and it doesn't matter at, at what level you're at. So with you guys with the bucket calf, and I could see your folks and your grandma on it, they doing this, leading it around with a karaoke machine, asking questions and whatnot. You were preparing for success. Yeah. So. Um, no matter how silly, you know, you're preparing for success. If you're bracing a lamb and you have a mirror out there and people are seeing you, you know, you got to do what works for you and be your true authentic self to get yourself where you want to be. Because if no one else is willing to do that, then they're not going to be where you're at. And, you know, um, even when I had steers, my parents didn't know, like, you don't talk on the mic when you have steers, but, oh, my goodness, we pulled that karaoke machine out in the extension cord, and we were out there in the drive answering questions about my steer. I could, you know, tell them how it was va vaccinated with black leg and blah, 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 when it was a calf and this and that, and what it ate, and, you know. It's just, it's crazy where you kind of start and to look back and think of all those memories. And then also to think about like fashion review that had such an impact on my life. Um, I'm kind of a closeaholic as I call myself. I, <laughs> people <laughs> usually see me in kind of, you know, an unusual outfit. I try to always change it up. And I started there when I was really young. Um, I actually modeled one of my first bucket cap, my first bucket cap. Um, outfits for the fashion review and then I really enjoyed it um definitely didn't win with that but after a while you kind of figure out what they like what you know what does better just like animals um what outfits do better and I was really fortunate to win the state fashion review um my last year in 4-H and that was really a cool experience you know you went up to Hutch they have this big auditorium it's just like our little fashion review but on steroids like it's dark yeah. like there's hundreds of, or there's probably a hundred other girls and guys that, you know, enjoy that also. And it's just a really cool experience. That is, that is, that is good stuff. So what <clears throat> of all the years you, you were very successful in a variety of projects, not, you know, I always think of you uh, through the livestock projects and, and, and stuff like that, but obviously you were involved in other projects and were wildly successful. What are, what are your favorite memories of, of growing up in 4-H? What's the ones that really stand out besides what we just talked about uh, with the state fashion review? Are there some others that really jump out at you? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think cooking with my grandma every single year, that was something that I will always love. Um, I've learned a lot about cooking through the cooking project. Um, my mom still goes back and helps with it all. Um, I now here I make, you know, not as a, as a college student, you wouldn't think that, Hey, she's whipping up meatloaf at night, but I am like, <laughs> I'm making chicken fried steak. I'm making meatloaf. And those weren't things that I necessarily learned through the cooking project. Cause you make more of the sweets and that kind of stuff, but it still gave me the fundamentals to be able to put a meal together, to, um, learn about nutrition, um, to, and also to do that in a cost-effective way. Um, so that was something that's really cool. And then also um, the last couple of years, my brother and I really got into the hog project. Uh, my dad had never been around a pig in his whole life or no one in our family had. And my senior year, because um, I went ahead and showed an extra year, um, I in the spring, I texted my dad and I said, hey, like we had made some connections in the show um, industry and like talked to some people and I said hey I, I bought a pig we're needing to go pick it up and he said you did what and I said I bought a pig 
and he goes you better not let your grandma find out and I said well she's she's gonna know like it's beside her house and so I told my grandma and she's like well I showed pigs back in my day and it just was not fun and all this stuff and I was like oh great and our first pig was definitely a roller coaster ride um I loved my dad named him Speedy because he ran around in circles really fast and it reminded him of Speedy Gonzalez. So I said, okay, dad, whatever. I'll name him Speedy. And he was just so friendly and he loved, he was like a dog, loved to have his belly rubbed. And my dad's like, I didn't know pigs were like this. I just thought they were going to just be in mud and all nasty. And we just learned so much about that. And I can genuinely like say that my brother and I know way more about feeding a hog, uh, anything that's related to a hog than my parents, because it was just something that was so new. And we were at that age that we just absorbed everything. Like, you know, and I love listening to Barrett's podcast and then Barrett talked a lot about, um, you know, making connections with people and, you know, sending those videos and talking to people that, you know, that are winning and where you want to be. And so I had a relationship with someone that like, I knew that their family won. And so I was always sending them pictures and videos and, He's like, oh, you need to up your feed to 16, down to, uh, down to 12, up to 18, you know, throughout the summer. And, you know, I would never have known that. And now if someone asked me, I'm like, oh, you probably need 18%, maybe some rolled yaggies, um, any of that kind of stuff. And it's just, it was such a learning opportunity. And I really think that's what 4-H is about, is exposing yourself to new things and um, just learning. You know, that's, that is a great point. Cause, uh, like with my girls in our barn, we have a marker board and every animal that's on feed, that's a project, uh, just because they may be the same species, maybe there's four goats and, you know, that we're feeding doesn't necessarily mean all of them is being fed exactly the same way. They're being fed to their strengths, if that makes sense. And so it's that just what she was talking about that little, that, uh, educational experience of of how to feed one to make it be its best or to make it fulfill its potential you know everything's got potential uh, it's, it's up to us to get the most out of it and so i love that part of it we 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 it was our weekly deal is we weigh everything see where they're at we just feeds based on that of where we need to be and all and man it's just good quality family time, you know, and learning just what you said. That's the most important part. You know, the winning's fun, but I mean, Sarah, the learning of everything. And that's what I, I hope some people catch out. This is you weren't just successful in the livestock shows. You were successful in everything. Cause I can tell you one thing. I know more people like myself that were eating ramen noodles and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in college because we didn't know how to cook meatloaf <laughs> or anything <laughs> else. So, I mean, that's, that's why I hope some people will pick up through this is that everything that you learned has played a part of your life up to this point. Uh, and it wasn't just, it wasn't just in that show ring, which you had a lot of success in there. Yeah. And Justin, I'll tell you something, you know, starting out, it's okay not to know anything like, we had a big circle pen right there by my dad's cattle sick pen. We had one pen between it and we had our cattle on creep. We didn't know, like, we didn't know you fed them individually. We were, you know, we had steers and heifers. It was all you can eat all day. And um, there was a sharp little piece of tin and one of my steers cut themselves and they had to get a stitch up. You know, we just, we didn't know. And, you know, you just have to know that you don't know and don't be stubborn and know that someone out there knows more than you do. And don't be scared to ask like, Hey, why does your animal have so much hair? You know? And yeah. once we asked that question, they said, Oh, well, we keep it under fans and misters. My dad's like, okay, okay. Well, we can do that. And so we cleared a little part out of his working shed and, you know, our cattle stayed under fans and misters. Hey, like why, why doesn't our cattle look the way that yours do? You know? Oh, well, we feed them all individually. Oh, well, we just have ours on creep. And, exactly. you know, in my very first spring show down there at Barber County, I, this is the first time after Bucky Calf or anything that I had a steer. And, you know, cattle, 
you load them up in the horse trailer, you shut the gate and you go on. So that's what we did. We pushed him in there. We took his halter off. And when we got down to the fairgrounds, he was so scared. And my dad's like, I just don't understand why our steer's scared. We didn't, weren't <laughs> able to show him. And everybody else's animals are walking around. And so we, you know, we went up to someone and we're like, hey, like, what are you doing to be able to make your animal, you know, cooperate like it does at home? And they're like, well, how did you haul it? And my dad's like, well, like, you know, cattle, I know cattle. And so we put him in the horse trailer and hauled him down here. And they're like, okay, well, if you tie him up, it won't scare him as much. Um, have you taken him outside the pen? And, you know, that's something that I had never thought about. We had a little square pin beside the sick pin. So we walked him down the alley, walked him into the square pin. And, you know, this steer was such a baby. He would do whatever. But why would we take a cow out of the pin? Like, as a cattleman, <laughs> you just don't do that. And, um, you know, it never dawned on us. And so we started walking him, you know, up to my grandma's yard, out around the circle drive and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know just start from square one. It's okay not to know anything. And, you know, even today, like I've been out of the cattle and the pigs for what, five years now, you know, I, I, when I finished, I didn't know everything. I just knew probably a little, little, little portion of what I really needed to know. That's good stuff. Good stuff. And, and I tell you, <clears throat> I know, I know you've graduated. You're out of those projects, but I know firsthand, and, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. You have been willing to assist with younger 4-H members growing up or coming up through different projects, and I've really appreciated that part of it because that's what it's about. I mean, you you started where you started, you finished, and now you're giving back. I know you've been very influential on, with, with my girls. You've helped them uh, with some projects. I know some other kids in Barber County that you've helped with. It speaks volumes of, of of the person that you are uh, and always grateful for that. Cause I know I remember our first uh, Jancy's first little practice with her heifer was right up there at your house. We loaded her up on a Sunday, got her in the trailer, drove her up there and we picked a little spot out to practice showing and whatnot, walked her around some of the pens cause she hadn't seen a lot. <laughs> and, and, and I remember it was nervous, nervous. I'm like, Oh, I don't know if it's going to work or not. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And it really goes back to that. Whoever, I couldn't tell you who bought my muffins. I was, you know, nine years old. But it really goes back to that person wanting the next person to be better. Yeah, you bet. Something, I want to change gears and go another direction. Um, and I don't want this to sound controversial or anything, but something I'd like to visit about. A couple things. One. Um, if, if people don't know, because uh, this is a podcast, you're Mexican-American uh, and you and you grew up in a very rural Kansas County that there's not a lot of Mexican-Americans in. Let's just call a spade a spade. Uh, and then there's another little thing that comes along, which really tugs at my heart. And I know it does a lot of people in your family just because we know where you've came and where you're at right now and where you're going is you've. Uh, you've battled dyslexia your life. Can you can you share about growing up uh, as a Mexican American and and with the uh, with the dyslexia and and how you've overcome some of those things to get to where you are? And and, and for people that don't understand what dyslexia is, correct me if I'm wrong. You see things different, like when it comes to reading and whatnot. It doesn't just line up the way it should, correct? Correct, correct. Yeah. So let's tackle the um, being Hispanic, being Mexican-American in a small community first. Um, that was such an awesome question. Um, you know, my mom is originally from central Mexico, and so um, she has a lot of influence. Um, as a kid, I never thought that you know, people would treat you different or look at you different. Um, and now since people know my mom and like it was a small community, but I can just imagine how it was for her whenever she came um, and married my dad because she was an outsider, you know. Um, I don't really personally like feel like I was treated any different than anybody else. 
Um, I'm just the same, you know, as you, as anybody else that's in this community. I feel like um, Barber County, for the most part, was pretty welcoming to, you know, her being Hispanic. And, you know, people still ask, like, hey, do you make tamales? And I think the biggest influences on what she cooks, like if she has a group of people over, you know, we're having enchiladas and, you know, meat chopped up in sauce and different things like that. So let me stop you just for a second, Sierra. Uh, so if I'm hearing this correctly, this is music to my ears. It's, it's what I've tried to tell <laughs> folks, whether it's with extension or anything, is that it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, what color of skin you are, or anything like that, ethnicity. Uh, the good folks in Barber County treat everybody the same, correct? Yeah, good people treat good people correctly. And yeah. that's what I always have believed. Yeah, I've always, I tell you, I, I love your mom's story of, of coming to the United States and where it's led her where she started to where she is today I mean, she's got her master's degree she's a u.s citizen i know she was on the board of regents i believe at mcpherson college uh really good really good story and, and raised good kids so hats off to patricia yeah for sure and i know her story would be different than mine but um everything is great here in the sunny county of barber county um, I'll talk a little bit about having dyslexia and growing up that way. I really think my outlet was showing cattle because um, that's when I really struggled from patches. This is like my time frame. Patches was my bucket calf all the way up to um, Clifford was my last year um, going in eighth grade freshman year somewhere in there um, and being able to just go to the barn and blow off that steam and, you know, um, being at school wasn't necessarily like, don't get me wrong, I love the social aspect. Like, if you know me, you know, I, I'll talk off your ear and do X, Y, Z and blah, blah, blah. But um, um, where was I getting out with this? Ooh. Show cattle was that outlet. Yeah, show cattle was kind of my outlet during that time. Um, you know, people never, I don't think really knew that like I wasn't good at school or I didn't enjoy it or, um, you know, reading and writing wasn't my favorite and still it's not like, it's still, I'm like here during finals needing to write this 20 page paper and it's due by Friday. That's something that I've put off, but it's something that I've, you know, learned to deal with. And just like any other thing, you know, God's gave us these natural talents for a reason. And he's in things away from us that, you know, you would call it normal. But, um, yeah. So, from, because this was something that it, it took a little while to diagnose, if I understood right. You know, I know. Uh, I've heard bits and pieces of the story that like the, your family didn't realize that you had dyslexia for, for quite a while. And then it was like, Oh, okay. The, we, we, we've got something to work with now. So for when you, when you first discovered that you, you were dyslexic till now, how has that, how has that changed? I mean, yeah, for there's, sure. There's a lot of resources available on the internet for like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is a challenge for you to sit down and type uh, a paper versus like me. I, the way I can see a word, the way I can see a sentence is probably opposite of the way you do. Uh, how has that changed through technology? I guess I should say. Right. So when I was like first, second grade, um, being dyslexic, dyslexic doesn't mean you have like a low IQ or anything. Um, I would memorize those books that we would, you know, the, it would be like 10 pages. They would send it home with you. I would hear my mom say it. And then I could tell you back like everything that that book said, <laughs> and I may miss yeah. a word here or there, but you know, I wasn't reading the words. I knew if the dinosaur popped up on the page, this is what you say, 
And I would just memorize it. I wouldn't read the words. And, you know, I covered it up for a long time. And it was something that, you know, as a parent, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's weird. You would be like, oh, they're reading the words on the page. All's good. And it probably was like second grade, third grade, where they started giving you like pages of words. And I was like, oh, crap. I can't remember <laughs> these pages of words. And my mom's like, yeah, you don't read the words on the page. And I was like, no, like if the dinosaur pops up, I remember what you said. So I say yeah. it again. And um, so we went through the whole testing and went through school and, you know, you find different ways. And now I've been in college and there's different ways to kind of cope with it. And one way that I find that's really good is there's this um, thing called Speechify on my phone. And so if there's like a book right now, I've had to take this history class to finish out. You have to take the class outside of your concentration to finish your master's. So I had to take this history class. We had to read 10 books um, throughout the semester and then 10 books at the end and write a 20 page paper on it. And no way that I could have got past that if I didn't scan the books. I can simply just scan the books, put my AirPods in and walk around. And, you know, you just hear things once I'm good. Like I can hear, I can scan a marketing book and you know how dry those business books are. Um, <laughs> yes. And I can tell you exactly what it said. And so a thing that I do you know, driving from Arkansas to Kansas, it's six to eight hours, no matter, or like, depending on where I go, I can scan those books in and I can listen to them. And then I'm good. Awesome. And, you know, you just learn to use what you don't have. You learn to your, what you do have to learn. You learn to use it better. That's good stuff. Good stuff. I know when you was fixing to graduate from K-State at the time, uh, Arkansas Tech wasn't even mentioned i mean right. and i can remember your dad saying all the you know the the 4-h projects were your outlet for that for for being dyslexic for that dyslexia he, he always talked about the importance that those projects played and uh he said every penny he ever invested was fixing to pay off because you were fixing to do something he never thought was possible. And that was graduate college. And now you're fixing to graduate with a master's degree, which is, I mean, hats off to you. Hats off to your family uh, for supporting you through this whole deal. It's awesome. Awesome experience. Uh, we got just, you got a little bit more time. So if you got just a little more time, we'll, we'll finish this up and, uh, I don't want this to sound like it's some controversial deal, but we're going to take it one more step. Uh, so we know you're young, uh, a young adult in college. We've, we're, I guess we're still in this pandemic. Um, I want to know the perspective of, of a young college student on the COVID vaccine. Okay. So, and now, let me preface this by saying I'm vaccinated. Wasn't that big a deal? I'm a believer in vaccines. Doesn't matter. So, and I got really sick with COVID. So it was one of them deals when they came out the vaccine. Uh, I didn't care what was in it. I was going to take it because I wanted, I'm, I'm just a believer in it. And I know your dad's the same way because me and him talked a bunch. There was a little, a little hesitation on your part, correct? Or Correct. Yes. Yes. So, so talk us through, I mean, what, what, what was the big deal? Well, for everybody that stuck around throughout this podcast, we're now into the, the good stuff, right? Yeah, up. <laughs> this is what it turns up. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I was down here in Arkansas. Um, when did they start giving the vaccine? Was it March? Yeah, it was, well, I know some that was getting it. It would depend on your age. Yeah. So, I mean, some may have got it as early as last January. Okay. I think it was like March into February that for people that were living in confined areas, you could get it. And so that classified people that were living in dorms, working for housing or, um, in a jail, I think maybe, I don't know if that's true, but I know that if you were living in a dorm, you could get it earlier than everyone else. And so they started giving it and I was like, okay, like, 
I'm going to wait a little bit. You know, this is just hot to the market. Um, young female, I, I don't know what it's going to do. And um, kind of working at a university in their residence life department, I feel like kind of in a way I was shamed for like not getting it. But I was kind of just holding out to wait to try to figure out um, if it was like the best option for me. And so it seemed like when May came, things with the pandemic kind of slowed down. Um, no big deal. We went all summer. I had an internship at Textron. Um, they weren't too worried about it. So I'm like, mm, it's over. Like, well, uh, I don't need it. I got by without it. And um, then we had a really close family member or f really close family friend pass away. And like that is what really scared me because I could take something to my parents and, you know, even though that they may be vaccinated, they what they may not be whatever, um, they could still get sick from it. And so, you know, I got to thinking and um, talked to my local um, school doctor and was he's like, would you rather be on a ventilator and be messed up for the rest of your life or take a chance and not having kids? He said, or not even be here and be able to share those experiences. And I, that was something that really hit me hard that um <coughs> that you could not be here and it's just because you didn't take the vaccine like give or take you know everybody has their perspective you know some are going to have allergic reaction to the vaccine you have to do what's best for you um at that given time and for me personally like I don't want to take something home to my grandma you know we're really close and I don't want to take something home to my parents. And, you know, I would probably be fine, probably be fine. But you never know what it's going to do to your lungs, what it's going to do um, to your body. And, you know, having COVID could also make you infertile. And that was really what it was coming down to is, mm, I, I, just, I don't know, like maybe one day I want to have kids. Hey, I'll tell you, uh, <clears throat> And this, just so everybody knows, this wasn't a planned conversation. We just kind of sprung this out there. <laughs> so, uh, but I've got a good friend that's a, he's a virologist. He's got a PhD in virology. He studies viruses. And uh, he he's from the Middle East. And he talks about the concern that people had about being sterile and whatnot because the vaccine and he told me, he says, where he's from over in the Middle East, he goes, well, they don't got to worry about if they're going to be sterile or not now because they've died from the virus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not funny, but it made me laugh because I'm like, holy smokes. The one thing they were holding out against, they ain't got to worry about because the virus killed them. Uh, I would tell you, I I, I had COVID um, in September, well, September 20th of 2020. Is, is the day that I remember something happening, making me sick. I remember telling my wife that day, I don't know what's going on, but I don't feel good. And the next three weeks was the wildest ride of my life. Um, for those who don't know, I mean, it. when they found me at the clinic, I had, I had drove to the clinic to be seen by a doctor four days into it. I rode it out for four days and uh, they found me behind the clinic. I was passed out, slumped over the console of my pickup. My blood oxygen had dropped that low that just lights out. Uh, and it was a wild ride after that. But that, that COVID's nothing to mess around with. And, and what I would tell people, I mean, I, I get the flu shot. I get the tetanus shot. I'm a believer in vaccines. I vaccinate my livestock. Call me crazy every now and again. I treat my yard and my pastures. And, and when we're <laughs> talking about that, it's, it's for prevention. So the vaccine is not a guarantee. No more guarantee than when we vaccinate our cattle that they can't get sick. Inevitably, one may get sick. It's, it's just, just the nature of it. But the easiest way I can describe it to people is you got two people in a rainstorm and one guy's holding a one guy or gal's holding an umbrella and one's not. Who's going to get less wet? The one that's protected by the umbrella doesn't mean they're not going to get some water on them because it's a rainstorm. It just means it's going to be uh, more effective. That umbrella will be 
than the person that has absolutely nothing. They're going to be saturated. And so it's, it's that. It's, it's lessening those chances. I absolutely love the reason why you did that. There was, yeah. there, there was that thought of your parents, your grandmother. We know about the individual that passed away. Uh, good, good man in this county. Good friend of your family. Uh, I still remember that that call to your dad. Uh, but thank you for being willing to share that in the concerns of why you didn't want to get it, and then the change of mind of why you got it. Absolutely yeah. wonderful stuff. Yeah, and Justin, I think you put something that was really impactful on Facebook right after you had COVID, and you put something along the lines. Correct me if I'm off of. It didn't ask me my religion. It didn't ask me my race. It didn't ask me. It, it got me. And, you know, that kind of stuck with me because at that time when you had COVID, people, I feel like a more amount of people were like, oh, well, it's just it's just for liberals. Oh, it's just for conservatives. It's just for X, Y, Z. And it'll all change you know, after, no. the, <laughs> you know, that was out there. Yeah, it, I tell you, uh, when I got it, we we still to this day don't know 100 percent we've got an idea that maybe i picked it up from one of my children one of my twins they uh, one of them just felt a little off one day they weren't real sick by no means just didn't feel good uh because we went we we traced it back and there was there's no explanation for where i got it you know other than possibly from one of my children and and that is the one thing I'll tell you is up until that point, I was feeling pretty confident. And I, you know, people will tell you I had a hard time believing that it was real. We'd only had five cases in the entire county in six months and nobody got sick from it. I was having a hard time in my head thinking this is really real. Yeah, maybe this happens in New York City, but it doesn't happen in Barbara County. And then, boom, I got sick and I didn't check off any of the boxes, Sierra. I mean, I was I'm a very healthy individual. I kind of watch what I eat. Um, I didn't have any quote unquote pre-existing conditions. I didn't fit the model of what they were saying was an at-risk person. And so when it hit and then it hit as hard as it did, I, I can remember those three weeks. I mean, I was off work for three weeks. Um, couldn't do nothing. And I, and I can remember thinking, is this as good as it's ever going to be? I mean, I've been sick before, but I'd never been sick like that. Uh, and I'm not saying I was scared or anything. I'm just saying you get those thoughts of, is this as good as it's ever going to be? Yeah. And then when you come out of that, thankfully, things turned around. It, it'll make a guy have a different perspective of, I'm not going to waste a daggum second of my life now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I know, I know anything could happen at any time. Let's, yeah, you know. For sure. And I remember seeing the stuff on the news because we were obviously home from spring break at K-State, um, from K-State, and they told us to come pick our stuff up. And, you know, my dad was like, oh, God, we got to pack up all of her dorm room and her clothes collection. Th thanks to Fashion Review. <laughs> <laughs> and so we went up there to K-State and I lived in Ford Hall, which is kind of on the corner um, of some of the residence halls. And we, you know, we pulled in and they were doing, um, you could do two people per floor since there was two wings. Um, and I was an RA. So I went in and got my stuff. I was talking to a uh, my lady that was in charge and she's like, it's just wild. Like we can't touch anything. That was something that we had never went through. And um we packed all my stuff up. It took us about two hours and we put it in the car and my dad's like, okay, now let's, let's go out to eat. And I think that's when we really knew something was wrong because, you know, in Manhattan, there's so many good restaurants. Like mm. you want to go down to Takalucha or somewhere like that. But, um, we ended up driving through, couldn't find anything. McAllister's was open. So my dad's like, oh, we love McAllister's. And I was like, yeah. So we went in, but you couldn't sit down in there we had to go eat on the tailgate of the pickup. And that's when my dad's like something, something seriously wrong. He says, the news isn't lying this time. And I was like, and that's really when, and you know how my brother is. So 
you know, caught up on politics. And I think it was pretty good for him to also see that so that, you know, that we were taking the proper precautions because I definitely think that maybe we wouldn't have, because, you know, you can't always believe what you see on TV. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, I have taken up a bunch of your time. I do appreciate you taking out time of your day, sit down and visit with us and, uh, talking about growing up in Barber County. Uh, uh, looking forward to seeing you at some point again. I know you'll be back for the holidays. Uh, we'll probably catch up at some point. Um, is there anything that we didn't touch on that we need to before we stop this deal? Um, I think we hit all the highs. Um, I'm definitely in open books and I'd be happy to talk to anybody. So I'm a big social media user. So follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. I think Justin and I communicate, you know, using social yeah. platforms probably more than anything. Um, yeah. So I'm always open to questions and I always love to get to know new people. So definitely hit me up. Thanks again uh, for joining the podcast and, and uh, good luck with with finals coming up and everything i know the the, the, the finish line is is, is within <laughs> sight and I, and i know you've got some good things coming your way uh thanks for not dodging any of the any of the questions because like i said uh we want to make it clear th these are not staged interviews these are basically just conversations with people and, I, and the first three that we've had we've kind of made them that way is we're not sitting down with any format going off a script or nothing. It's, I may, may say before we start, you're going to be uncomfortable if I mention this. No, nope, go ahead. Let's go. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So thank you for not dodging anything and for being the open book that you are. Uh, look forward to seeing you over the holidays and be careful between now and then. Okay, buddy. All right. Take care, Justin. You bet. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to The County Agent. Be sure to like, subscribe, or leave a review.